Like, was it something that you were raised with? Because I was with my family. Not like, at all. My parents were uh, really conservative, and then they had uh, siblings that were really big into, like, Creedence Clearwater, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Grateful Dead, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So that's how I got into um, finding the Grateful Dead and their entire discography. I became a deadhead probably... I don't know, like, about 1992 or three, mm -hmm. and I just started learning how to play guitar. Right. Uh, I mean, like, electric guitar. Right. I, mean, I had played, like, you know, family, like, church stuff, mm -hmm. and, like, since I was about five or six. Right. But when I was 12, you know, I was given an electric guitar, and the rest was, you know, all downhill after that. Yeah, it's all downhill after an electric <laughs> guitar, for sure. But uh, sure. the funny thing is, is that I was playing, you know, like church songs right. in a church choir at a Catholic church in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And um, the priest that was there, his name is Father John, very right. nice man, right. um, was real into music and, like, gave me an acoustic guitar. And, no uh, shit. He didn't... You know, there's nothing... Right. So when you tell people about Catholic Church, the first thing they say is like, oh, shit, man. And, like, and the priest gave you, I'm like, just for the record, nothing happened. For the record, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, relax. There's actually, a, a, you know, a church out there you don't have to worry about. No, but, I mean, like, it was totally cool. Because, right. see, my mom works for the church. Oh, cool. So, but he gave me a guitar and gave me a cassette. And this cassette on one side had Traveling Wilburys on it. Traveling Wilburys are great. Fucking awesome. Love them. So Love Traveling Fucking Wilburys. badass. Probably listen to them when I when I get out of here for sure. And then, so Traveling Wilburys on one side and the other side was American Beauty. Right. And I was about 12 and I really, I really kind of fell in love with, the, with American Beauty, the cassette that I had. Right. And then, you know, I was kind of still into grunge at the time. I mean, it was 92, 93. Sure. 92. Well, cool. shit, no. Even that, it was like 91 when I got the guitar because I was 12. So mm -hmm. I was 12 and 91. Right. And, um, so anyway, uh, when I was about 14 or 15, this kid that became one of my best friends, his name was Rico, he was rolling to the dead. Right. And so I fell in love immediately. With, and of course, that's when we started getting high for the first time. Of and, course. Of course. And it was like, it was just real Maybe. pivotal records, like the very first Grateful Dead record, the very first Deep Purple record, like sure. Cream, you know, TSNY, you know, Jefferson Airplane. Absolutely. And so... Anyway, he's real into the dead, and then through that, I kind of really started liking the dead a lot. And then when I was 19, or you know, when I was done, see, when I was 20, I got my first tat. Right. And I got a steely, you know, right. I got a Grateful Dead tat. Right. And it was so funny because a lot of my friends who were not into it, they were all metalheads, you know, a lot of them were like. In San Antonio? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of a course. lot of them were like secret deadheads. They just sure. didn't want to tell anybody. They were like. Of course. You know. Oh, were, yeah. They're all metalheads, but they secretly like the dead, which right. I thought it was funny. Right. And so anyway, um, when I was about 21 or 22, I went to visit my godfather in San Antonio okay. and help him. He was moving out of the house and asked right. for help. And, and were so you I, in Austin at the time? Or I no? was in Austin you at were the in time, Austin. yeah, and okay. I went down there to help him. Right. And I have wearing like a sleeveless shirt, and mm -hmm. he sees the tie, and he's like, he oh, you the like the tattoo. Grateful Dead? Yeah. I was like, I love the dead. Right. He was like... Did you know that your first concert was a Grateful Dead concert? And I'm like, bullshit. He's like, no, seriously. So, 
turns out that I guess it was like July. The show itself was July thirty first, nineteen eighty two, Maynard Downs. Okay. Right here, East Austin. Nah, shit. And uh, I have a poster for it. You 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 really do? You have a poster I for it? I have the poster for, for it. For the for the show. show. Yeah, Michael no. Priest, which was a very legendary like poster artist yeah. in Austin. He's the yeah. one that did that. And it's got like a a skeleton jockey feeding a sugar cube of acid to a skeleton horse. Excellent. And it's like Excellent. The, they a give skeleton the jockey feeding a ch- cube of acid to uh-huh. a skeleton horse. Because uh-huh. it it's a horse race. Yeah. Like oh, down. yeah, it is. And so <laughs> the directions were so simple back then. It's like six miles east of Austin on US 290. Okay. Turn left at the blinking light. That's it. That's it. Now forget it. Fucking. You told me that that still existed. But yeah, I'll give you. I'll I'll send you a photo so you can. I would love it. Photo with oh my god! Whatever. I would love it. So like, anyway, my godfather was like telling me that my first concert as a kid was that, and right. I was about three. Okay. Maybe four. Four. And the funny thing is, is that like, I had memories of this years later. Really. You know, like you'll yeah, never forget. Yeah, like childhood so, oh, memories that like forget. tap in. I think a lot of people think that like, oh, there's no fucking way you can remember at age four and five no, certain can. memories. I mean, you for can. Sure. You Fuck might yeah. not exactly know what it is, right? But, but there's things, stimulation these, there. These yeah, things, these images pop up in my head. Uh-huh. You know? So like, my dad and my parents were very conservative as well, like right. military Catholic household. Okay. So like, my mom was real chill. She was into like soul music. I mean, she's still alive. You know, right. She's good. You know. That's awesome. Uh, and my dad's still alive too. But my mom was into soul music and like what, like James Brown, like James like, Brown, Aretha Franklin, you know, like Betty Wright, right? Eddie uh, James, you know, Eddie James, Billy Green. Uh, Billy Holiday was Billie a little Holiday. bit more jazz, too jazzy for her. Right. But hers was like sixties and seventies soul right. and like R and B and funk, right? Disco. Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. 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 Cool. She couldn't tell you the artist names rather right. than like Aretha. But Franklin she's like, I know what Brown, I like. Right. Knows, yeah. Right. My dad was really into like Mexican music and Conjunto, Conjunto and Tex-Mex, and nice. so like, and it makes sense because my uncle was the drummer for the Texas Tornadoes. Really, Ernie Durawa. No shit. Yeah, he was he was in Sir Douglas Quintet in the sixties, and that's incredible. Used to be like Willie Nelson's drummer. And, no way. Yeah, yeah. That's a musical introduction for real. But I, I'll bring that full circle in a minute. That yeah. story involving no, the dead sure. too. Whatever you want to do. Um, but anyway. My dad wasn't into stuff like that. And right. so my godfather was. Okay. My godfather was totally into the dead. And like, you really look at him, he looks like me now. He's like, you know, big dude, beard. Right. The whole thing. Yeah. And uh, my godfather's name is Henry. I love you, Henry. He's a good yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. But anyway, it turns out that, like, I didn't know that. And he had a photo of me, of him holding me right. in his arms. And, like, you know, with this stage, like, in the background. That's awesome. At Maynard Downs. And I didn't know that. And it turns out that, like, my dad didn't even remember going to this. Right. So, so who what, went? It so, was you? So my mom and my godmother were both, like, super Catholic. Right. Apparently they went to some Catholic retreat. Sure. And my dad was taking care of me, and my godfather came over. Turns out years later I understood why they were friends, because my dad was a secret pothead. <laughs> and my godfather was a straight-up pothead. It was very obvious. <laughs> Uh, years later, I found out my dad was a secret potter. I'm like, what the fuck? This is crazy. It's like that scene in Half Baked. It's like that right. scene in Half Baked when he sees the, 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 the doctor. He's like, man, you should have told me we were into this shit. We could have been hanging out months ago. <laughs> been hanging out months ago. Can I have that? Great. Thanks. So, anyway, 
my <laughs> godfather's telling me, you know, you know, that he and my dad were hanging out and that he acquired two tickets to come up to Austin to come see the dead. Sure. My dad knew who the dead were but didn't know anything about right. it. Right. And when he was like, Well, got the kid, you know. Right. And they said, Well, back then a ticket gave you free admission for a kid under twelve. What do you mean? So, like, if you bought a ticket, there's a lot of deadheads, you know, they were, like, traveling with their families and shit. Okay. So, let's say that, let's say it's, like, two parents and two kids. Okay. So, the mom buys a ticket, the dad buys a ticket, but that one ticket includes a free entry pass for a kid under 12. No fucking way. They can't afford all those fucking tickets no for way. all those kids. No way. I believe it, yeah. So the dead were like, hey, if the kid's under 12, it's just fine. let him in, but it's one per ticket. One per ticket, so yeah. So, then, like, other deadhead families who had, like, more fucking kids. Right would get other people who were like had single tickets be like hey can you let my kid, kid in? in right oh i bet you I know can't imagine, so, right so my dad was like well fuck it let's go so they came up to austin and so like i said july 31st 82 i think i was about four right so the memories i have years later like were i didn't know where they came from right until like i started taking like lsd like in my 20s oh, and I'm stuff sure. and waking a lot of, up to a all lot of, that yeah a lot of yeah. things started kind of for kind of sure. piecing back together. For sure. But so... A lot of repressed memories and stuff like that. Not in a negative way, but in, it just, it's just stored well, in the background. It's just like one of those things that you don't remember going right. to. Like, I don't know where these memories come right. from. Right. Maybe they're dreams. Who maybe the fuck they're... Knows? Maybe right. it's waking life. Who the fuck knows? Right. <laughs> right. And like I said, my dad would have never told me, hey, in 1982, I took you to a grateful death. So my never dad happened. doesn't even no fucking way. remember. Right. And so... What happens is, is that like uh, in my early twenties, I'm like really, really into the dead, and mm-hmm. I start hanging out with a bunch of hippies. You sure. Know, but they were like, they were like fish hippies, you know, fish string cheese. Yeah, fish like Tranfascio. Yeah, panic and, heads. And the mountain goats and all that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I hung out with all of those fucking people. Ween, bunch of ween nerds. A bunch of weeners. Weeners. Yeah. <laughs> w e e n. I love ween. I'll, I like I'll ween. listen to it. I'm not going to go, like, buy the record, but if it's on, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. change it. I'll be like, all right, all right, all right, I got it. I got it. We're going to do this. Cool. So, like, and the thing is, at the time, I'm playing music, too. And I'm, sure. At the time, like, we're trying to do, like, psychedelic blues, and the clubs that are, like, hiring us are like, hey, we and this shows you the time. This is, like, 99, 2000. Okay. They weren't allowing us to use the term like psychedelic for anything involved. Like if they're gonna put us in the paper, they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "Why?" I'm like, "We're a psychedelic, you know, blues band or a psychedelic right. rock band." Right. She's like, "Psychedelic has drug use connotations." And I'm like, "Well, that's the whole point." She's like, "No, no, no, you're a jam band." <laughs> so we got lumped into the whole jam band thing. Is that what it is? Is that how that worked? Well, really? I mean, that's how it worked for us. Really? We were not a jam band. I mean, right. like, we were doing jammy sure. shit. But you were not stereotypically a jam band, right? Yeah, you know, none of us wore fucking Birkenstocks right. or, you know. Black Crows. <laughs> <laughs> I John, love John the Black Popper. Crows. Oh, God. Blues Traveler. I've seen them live. They were fantastic. I met that dude. He's a nice guy. He was fantastic. Oh, my that God. You can play a fucking harp, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> and I was like, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen because it was like after he got, like, sober and lost a bunch of weight. He actually had to get, like, relatively in shape. So he had, like, real lung capacity and yeah. was, like, fucking wailing on that thing. Like, it was unbelievable. I always thought it was so funny that the vest that he used for all his harmonicas at the beginning before they made vests like that. Right. Were, 
was a fucking fishing vest. And it was right. Like made with all the, all the slats for the yeah. harmonica. It's like Rambo, but with harps instead of fucking bullets. It's like a bandito. Yeah, way. Bandolero. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. So, it's like, fantastic. I guess the early 2000s were, right. you know, being lumped into the jam band category. Whatever. Fine. It was fine. We were getting gigs. and Right. But then, um, hanging out with all these kids, I started, like, doing the whole Grateful Dead thing. I mean, this was, like, late 90s, early 2000s. Were these we were kids still, younger we were, than you, or were they the same age? Uh, some of them were actually older. Okay. Like, maybe, like, even five years older, ten years older. But, okay. you know, I say kids because they're, like, they're young. They're in their 30s. I mean, they're not... Right. So, anyway, started doing the whole Deadhead thing with, like, trading tapes. Oh, man. And getting into trading tapes. tapes. And so, right. my... After I found out that that Grateful Dead show in 82 was my first show, I, anytime I hung out with kids that told me they had tapes, right. I was always after that show. Mm -hmm. I want to hear the show. I, I want to hear, hear it. I want to hear it. Right, 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 right. And it took me a long time to actually acquire it until like maybe like the mid-2000s when like everybody started having computers. Because I mean, we had computers in the 90s, but... Not to this fucking degree. expensive. Yeah. You couldn't burn CDs. I mean, I couldn't no. afford to burn CDs and shit. So we were still I doing cassettes in the early 2000s. Right. And so finally mid-2000s, you know, 2005, 2006, I run into this guy who's a big fish head. And he's giving out copies of shows on CD. On CD. And he's telling me that he's, like, getting shit through, like, Napster and all that other and stuff. And it's, like, advanced you know. technology now. Well, at that time, at yeah. At that time, at yeah. At that time, yeah, it was a big deal. To be able to have these like places like that sort of access like Pirate Bay yeah. and like Mini Nova or these places where Groove you could, Shark Groove Shark where you could or post Lime all Wire. this yeah and everybody was like trading go AWOL, yeah oh, I, I loved Groove Shark when I went down I was beside myself MP3.com yeah one of the interesting things about MP3.com which is actually how I got into mid 2000s emo music yeah mind you. The reason that I was able to get so far down that rabbit hole was because all of these bands were uploading their demos yeah. to mp3.com. Yeah. So when the internet blew up, these bands went with that explosion of the internet. And it was actually a very smart marketing move where they were like, how can I get my band to hear my music as much as possible? And it was free. Yeah, I mean, it was free, but I mean, you know, know? people were all pissed off. Like, well, how are bands making music if people are stealing their shit? Right. And I'm like... Yeah, but you're building an audience. You're building an audience, and that's, and that's that was the, the thing. Well, that's kind of a, how the Grateful Dead started all this. Right. They really are a precursor to all that mm -hmm. with the whole trading tapes thing. Mm -hmm. You know, 70s and 80s Just was getting a big the deal. music out there, yeah. And, like, they didn't care. They didn't stop people from, like, going to shows and posting up their own recording equipment. Right. So there were all these copies of shows out there that were, like... The Dead actually did something really cool, and a lot of people didn't realize it, is that they recorded every soundboard show, even though they never released it. Really? And now they're releasing them now. Oh, I'm sure. These motherfuckers are making money. They're making, they're making money. Bank. Big, big money. I mean, they're who's still alive? Phil Lesh is still alive? Phil Lesh. Bob. I saw Bob, Bob Weir. Weir. Bob I Weir. saw Bob Weir live. I couldn't stop crying at hey, ACL. Yeah, we were talking about you were talking about like on it earlier, and like Bob Weir does like steel mace training and yeah, shit, Yeah, he man. does. He looks great. Bob you know, Weir. He looks like a little skinny Santa Claus. He looks fantastic. So Bob's yeah, alive. I saw him live. So basically the rest of the core. So Bob, Mickey, uh, Bill Kreutzman, Phil. Right. And, and and Bob Weir, yeah. Right. And so, but I mean, so finally, like in the mid-2000s, I get a copy of this show that I went to in 82. No shit. From and, who? Uh, from my friend Sam. 
Okay. He, I don't know where the hell he's at nowadays, so he disappeared. Right, but he had it and was like, hey, I have... Well, he found a way to get it. Okay. He found it and downloaded it for me and burned and it. And run, okay. And then at that time, these books were coming out called the Grateful Dead Taping Compendiums. And there was like three volumes, so the first volume... They were physical books? Yeah, these physical... You can still find them. They're kind of hard to find, but they're... Um, there's three books, and one... Because, you know, the dead... They're still, I mean, I don't know how it is now, but at right. the time when these books came out, it was one book that covered 63 through, like, 74, and then the next book was 74. of the years. Yeah, then it was, like, 74 through, like, 85, and the next book was, like, 85 through 95, up until Jerry died. Okay. And they chronicled all the shows. It has all the set lists. And it was just tape decks in a book. Well, the, the tape, well, I mean, it wasn't the tape decks themselves. What it was is that they were reviews of each show. Oh, that's cool. And the reviews of each show were done by either, like, audience members or uh-huh. even, like, you know, the guy who recorded the dead. Right. And they would say, okay, here's the whole set list of that show. Yeah. And give the highlights and people would... Mm-hmm. So when my friend Sam gave me a copy of that... Of that particular of show that, that particular you were at. show, he gave me the taping compendium that covered, like, 74 through, like, 85. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did was look up that show. Look for that show. Because I didn't know anything about it. Right. And so, the ironic thing is, the night before he gave me the book, you know, I had just, in the first, you know, those two weeks before that, I had just gotten internet access and was doing a lot of, like, you know, searching for stuff. And I found a review of this show from this guy who's right. a deadhead who right. lived in New Mexico at the time. Oh, shit. His review wound up in that taping compendium. And so, essentially... He says, hey, look, you know, I lived in New Mexico at the time, and this, this chick that I was dating dumped me, and I was really distraught, and a friend came up to me and said, hey, well, fuck it, you know, you should just drive down to Austin. He goes, I got two tickets to go see the dead, he said, but I'm only going to give them to you if you're going to go. Right. And so, he decided he had nothing left to lose, so he packed He's everything like, in his it. car right. and drove straight care. to Austin mm-hmm. from New Mexico. Right. And then, essentially, he says, so these are my memories, so I'll give you, a, you know, a brief... My memories in my head that kept coming back were being in a in a large parking lot. This is you as a child, yeah. yeah. Okay. Memories that are These are that back. are coming back. So the memories I had was being in a parking lot with a bunch of cars and a bunch of people walking, right? And a car being on fire. Okay. Sure. Know. Who knows? Second memory was being with all these people inside, like a stadium type environment, and all singing "Happy Birthday." Sure. I don't know what the fuck. Right. And uh, the other one was involving horses. 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 So my those are my memories of things that uh, kept of the thing. Up. And this is what you've discovered after. Yeah. Listening to the to those. I'm tapes? listening to those tapes and I'm reading this review and, it's coming and this through. guy that's telling me about. Right. You know, he's like, I drove to the Austin. He's like, I drove all the way to Austin. And he right. goes, and the whole time, my car was overheating the whole time. Holy shit. He goes, and then I finally make it to Austin, and I pull into the place, which is Mayor Downs, which is a horse racing track. Which is the horse racing There's track. There's horses. Horses. <laughs> and so... Uh, car overheating, car He says he pulls fire. in, he grabs his two bags of shit, and left his car. He said, my, my, my engine was smoking, but I wanted to see the show. So I ran in and left the car. His car is the one that caught on fire and, like, burnt to the fucking ground in the parking lot of the show. I remember, like, seeing, like, we all saw the smoke and the fire, and there's fire, fire trucks. No shit. 
So, burning car. Burning car, yeah. And the third was, why do I have a memory of every, you know, all this giant crowd of people singing, singing happy, happy birthday? Where the fuck does that come from? Right. So, July 31st, 82, was the day before Jerry Garcia's 40th birthday. And this whole crowd of people saying happy birthday. I'm four. I have no idea you where the no fuck idea. these... I mean, I'm, no now I'm, I'm in right. my 20s. Wow. I have no idea where these memories are coming from. That's fucking And nuts. I'm reading it. And as I'm reading this guy's review in this book right. of this show, it all made sense. So... I so these to, reviews are like descriptions of the show, almost like a movie review, like Siskel and Ebert, yeah. but fans yeah. instead of and movie fans critics. And right into the dead and be like, man, this is what I thought of the show. This right. is what I, and right. they saved all this shit and then made books out of it. Wow. Keep reviews of the show. And it's called The Continuum? It's called The Grateful Dead Taping Compendium. Taping Compendium. Yeah, it's a weird word, right? Fucking A, man. And there's three volumes. There Say might, that there ten might, times fast. Taping compendium, taping compendium, taping compendium, taping compendium, number nine, number okay. nine. So, fuck. And how many books are there? Do we know? At least three. Three books. Okay. And but you had uh, there's one probably of a fourth one, you know, Somewhere. because sure. maybe you know the dead kept going after. Oh, I can't imagine they when all they had different shit. Yeah, after Jerry died in August of '95. How I know yeah, that is August beyond 90, me. August of '95. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I know that, but I know that. <laughs> I won $500 Rock and Roll Jeopardy online for knowing that. For knowing the dead one? The for fucking, knowing when Jerry died. That yeah. I, I, like, well, I mean, even now, I, like, all the rock bands and stuff that I'm in or anything I've ever right. been in, like, a lot of people are, like, a lot of them are, like, still anti-dead and stuff. Oh, they have this, I like, image that, I hate that, that, you know, it's like, well, it's just a bunch of hippies. And it is a bunch of hippies, but a lot of them are good people. You know, they mean, yeah, they mean sure. well. For but sure. it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's not. You Jade know. gives me shit for it all the time, man. She'll, she'll stick it to me. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, no. Well, I'm I like kidding I you. I when people give me shit, too, because they're like, wait a minute. You have like a Hunter Thompson tattoo. Right. You have a Rocky Erickson tattoo. Right. And you have a fucking Grateful Dead tattoo. It doesn't make any sense. It was like the first time I had friends that were like. Into music. Yeah, they were into music. They would come over and hang out and right. get high. And they'd be like, wait a minute. What How are, you, are you listening to Frank Zappa and <laughs> Grateful Dead? Like those two. Right. Wait a minute. Right. Don't mix. Right. Where are we? Right. And I'm like, yeah, they might not mix, but I mean, the thing is, is that they're, I mean, it's still fucking great music. It's great. It's incredible. I always I, love I those spent people my whole that have that them. like barrier that they like, box themselves into, like, oh, I only listen to Zappa, so I can't listen to the Dead. Right. Or I, Stupid. I, I don't know. I'm not. It's into dumb. I did that for many years, and I'm upset about it because I really missed out on an incredible piece of culture because I was like, nope, I only listen to this fucking thing and I'm going to die about it and it's going to be my thing. And then I was like, man, that is so fucking stupid. Like, life is too short. Yeah, but you're, you're still young. you got plenty you know? of time to get into it still. No, but the, but I, I, I just beat myself up on it now, you know? Well, you had more access to stuff like that in being New from New York. Oh, yeah. The dead didn't come to Texas much. No. They came to Texas in the 70s and 80s, and by 85, they were they done. They were over it. They never came to Texas ever again. Right. And they were over it. I mean, Why well, is that? Is it hard to travel down here? I think it was just their perception of the South. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. And ticket sales. I don't fucking know. The dead did come back to Austin, though, and I saw them in 2003 as the dead. As the dead, right. It's and it Jerry was for Willie Nelson's... Fourth of July picnic out in Spicewood. Right. And it was awesome. It was, it was actually a really, really good show. I really want to see Willie live, but I don't know how many chances well, we'll, I get. You can still see him. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, once all this COVID shit's over. Yeah. 
for sure. COVID really like changed everything for us musically. Yeah. For you know bands, my band, Low Down and Out, we actually I believe it caved part of COVID and part it. of starting a side project. But um, I was hoping during COVID, like at least I did this. A lot of people didn't, which I'm sad. Um, I think I got my most creativity out of myself in during COVID. Me too. I started drawing again. Me too. I started writing again. And and I started like painting and like doing shit that I hadn't done in a long time. Writing music. Me too. Well, because I was just stuck. I had nothing else to fucking do. I, right. you know, I lost my jobs. You know. Same. Uh, you know, collecting unemployment for the first time. You know, shit like that. Right. But you know, mm. I still I still think about you know like how bands like the Dead you know how they survived all those years you know it's like. I don't understand how we all survived all those years. Right. You know, with p- different illnesses and stuff and throughout stuff like the that. years For and sure. how things change, you know, but... For sure. Uh, COVID really was a game changer. I believe it. There's an incredible band in Austin. I don't know if they're still going, but it was, it was a jam band, and they were a Grateful Dead cover band. I think Dead they're... Eye? Dead Eye. They're unbelievable. They're really good. They're yeah, really they're, good. They're, uh, they're still playing. As a matter of fact, they have a show on the 27th. No shit. At Far Out. No shit. Yeah, they're doing a... Uh, that's refreshing to hear. Kind of a New Year's thing. Oh, that's cool. I still do that on New Year's. Like, I still, like, even if I'm with myself or with friends, like, I'll still do my traditional, like, listening to Grateful Dead pretty much all on New Year's all Eve. New Year's Eve. All on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing that I've done for years. Yeah. I mean, my it, thing is blur. Nice. Blair. Every every year on New Year's, not on purpose, and then I realize that I do it annually. I just listen to, like, fucking coffee and TV for hours, you know? And uh, what was the album? Something something in cigarettes? Yeah. I listened to that whole album, all on New Year's Eve. I don't know why. It, I just, I've done it since Blur was popular in the 90s, since I was a kid. Well, I started I doing it because, you know, the dead were real popular on New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah, I bet. huge shows, and so I, I never got a chance to see any of those shows. I believe it. Like, I only saw the dead one time in 82 as a kid. And then, right, and that was in it. In 2003 at Willie's Picnic. The dead. As the dead, yeah. But, right. um, I mean, it's real funny how, like, one band can, like... Do it for you. Can do it for me. Like, to this day, I mean, like, I'm, like, the new band I have is doesn't sound anything like that it's all right. afrobeat and like psychedelic cumbias right but i still catch myself listening to the dead a lot you know um and other stuff like in conjunction with the dead i still listen to like quicksilver messenger service and like oh yeah almond brothers and uh jefferson airplane big I still, brother in the whole lingo oh big big brother for sure sir yeah. douglas quintet yeah they're you know. unbelievable and so yeah. you know elevators i'll never get tired of elevators Elevators is awesome. So, I'm glad glad you asked me to come on your show. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on Loud as Love. You know, thank you for being here. I I just wanted to, you know, sit with you and kind of have a conversation of, like, what makes you tick. (laughs) And I think one of the really cool things about living in Austin, especially now because everybody's home with the COVID thing, um, we're just, like, sitting in my backyard having a good time kind of talking about what makes musicians and fans of music fans of music like henry rollins once said this he's like i'm not a musician i'm a fan of music and i am too and so that's that's kind of why i wanted to start the podcast to just have people talk about what got them to where they are i think that's another thing is that like sometimes which is 
I might be ruffling some feathers here, but I don't care. I mean, right. um, I think there's a lot of musicians out there that are fantastic musicians, but they're all one-sided. Yeah. Meaning, like, they, they, they pigeonhole themselves mm-hmm. into just the one being a musician. Right. And sometimes, you know, because I have people that have this misnomer about musicians. Oh, well, they're all you know, egotistical. They're all this. Or they're all, or right. The, the stereotype. Yeah. And so my thing is, is that I don't feel like I'm just a musician. Like, I'm a journalist. I'm a writer. Right. I'm multiversity. I'm an artist. Yeah. I'm a painter. For sure. Well and so, rounded. like, I kind of don't necessarily, like, people will always be like, oh, this is this is Ziggy, you know, he's the radio guy. He's the radio know, guy. Right, chaos. for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, so Definitely. I'm like, oh, he's just the radio guy. I'm like, wait a minute, I do more than just that shit. Right. But I think that's what I like about Austin is that, like, the musicians here, for the most part, a lot of them are genuinely pretty well-rounded. You know, they have a lot of things going. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how it is in other parts of the U.S. It's It's different. And and I, I think that, that growing up in New York, it was such a culture shock coming down here because the attitude of music is much more saturated and much more jaded, you know? And here, coming down to Austin with the community that I have met and how you and I have known each other, people are like, how do you know Ziggy? I'm like, I don't know. We've just known re- each other for like fucking five or six years. I don't really like, remember really? how either. I don't remember either. And it was funny because we have a mutual friend with, um, I used to work with him over at the, at the state office. Uh, he does co-op radio. Sunil. Sunil. My boy. What's up, That's Sunil? That's my boy. He's, hey, hi, Sunil. He has an incredible show on KOP, Darkest Before Dawn. He's like one of my mentors. Uh, see, those He's guys incredible. Are, those guys are cool because, you know, like, you know, they, they do the co-op show. And right. then, um... I was doing chaos radio for all those years, and like I took a break in 2018. I had a lot. Of, yeah. The last two years have been insane. Have been insane. But oh, I know. I kind of want to make an announcement: is that I'm bringing my radio shows back uh, in the next couple of weeks. Awesome, chaos radio. Well, chaos, yeah, it's still on chaos, but I'm going to bring back Adventures in Taco Land. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yes. and uh, the Modern Human Show. Oh, uh, Adventures in Taco Land, the greatest. So. <laughs> it's it's been off the air, man. My show's been off the air since May of 2018. And right. I just needed some time to get all my shit back together. I believe and like, it. You know, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Mentally, physically, everything, yeah. All of it. I think that, you know, going back to that, I think that being able to have the community in Austin kind of just regroup, yeah. especially because, like, COVID has fucked everything up so much, I feel that the thing that made it different and special other than New York, is there was a much more general enthusiasm for playing than there was in New York. Yeah. New York was just another destination, another way to prove yourself, another notch under your belt. Yeah. And everybody kind of had that same general attitude, and that, that, that's the real attitude of the city, and that's why you go, and that's why you love it. Um, but Austin, it was kind of like... Seeing a bunch of ducks in the pond that don't know they're in a pond. They're like, fuck it, man. We're having a good time. We're floating. This is a very big pond, and it's a very famous pond, but we live here. So come on down and jam. And you're like, ah, okay. And they're some of the best musicians you've ever met in your life. Well, you know, you know? The, the best thing about Austin is that still it has that flair that it what made Austin famous in the 70s. Yeah. What put Austin on the map was... The Armadillo World Headquarters, which is the music venue right there on right. South First and Barton Springs, next to the Old Thread Guilds, which is now a bank. Which is now a bank, right? Um, and then people like Doug Som, 
Yeah. You know, Texas Tornadoes, Sir Douglas Quintet. Uh, Willie Nelson, of course, and Rocky Erickson. Right. But without these people and the Armadillo World Headquarters, that bridged a gap at that time period that you still see present today. Right. Like, um, where, like, cowboys and hippies. Yeah. Urban Cowboys. I wouldn't, say, I I wouldn't say fucking hippies anymore. I mean, no, there's I think not the whole connotation of hippie was that you smoked weed. That's it. And did drugs. And they have essential oils. <laughs> and they don't wear deodorant. That's but about it. That fused what something, you know, we called the, the cosmic cowboy. Right. The cosmic cowboy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a look. It is a look. It's Coming a look. down here <laughs> from New York City punk rock and like gutter raps, really, mm-hmm. to this where you just see people like it, it. It was the cosmic cowboy thing, like the 13th floor Rocky Erickson look blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It still does. Because it's still a valid look. You can still see present, you know, places like White Horse. Yeah, you see it at a. You see it at kind of tropical. Sometimes. I mean, I wear cowboy boots and you know pearl snap shirts. Me too, but I wanted to be like Lemmy. I was, I wasn't going down that avenue. You know, I was like, fuck. I don't know what kind of cowboy look Lemmy we call, but. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna wear fucking pearl snap shirts and black cowboy boots and tell people to fuck off in my well, leather hat. You we know. Still do that. <laughs> I can't pull off wearing a cowboy hat because then I look like I'm about to go pick bean. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, thank you for being on the show, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And then um, if you get a chance, look up the new band, En Orbito. E-N. En Orbito. E-N-O-R-B-I-T-O. E-N-O-R-B-I-T-O. T-O. You heard on, it here first. Look us up on uh, Facebook and Instagram. On the last episode of the season, Loud as Love with Lauren Darcy, my boy Ziggy from Chaos Radio. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Have a good year.